Welcome to the Rizam Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 89. I'm Sam Hargreaves and this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode we'll be reviewing October's psalm challenge, that's it, (laughs) no, yes, psalms, and we'll be setting a new challenge for November. Wow, Joel, you're sounding in full voice. I I feel like I'm sounding more like you. Whenever I mix, (laughs) whenever I mix and edit the podcast, calling it mixing, uh, I always have to roll off the bass on you so that I don't sound too weak and pathetic alongside you. You're going to have to boost my bass this time, just so I sound. It's funny because, like, you're not a big man, but you've got a resounding (laughs) voice. (laughs) No, you're not a small man, but you're not a. (laughs) I put up a new. is this to show what, what kind of man? Oh, no, I thought you were going to say what kind of man you are. I put up a shelf or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I put up a new profile picture on, on Facebook for no real reason other than the one I had before was like one of me when I was four. And I thought it's a little bit annoying if people are trying to find me and they yeah. can't quite work out who I am. But um, and it, but Facebook seems to like do a lot of promotion when you put up a new, yeah, you know, in a, an annoying way. Like, can you promote other things rather than... And then someone put up, oh, you look like a smiley chipmunk. <laughs> oh well, there's definitely a gender imbalance there, isn't it? Because when I, normally when the ladies put one up, they just get everybody writes, "Oh, beautiful." <laughs> Why didn't they write that for you? I think you're beautiful. Thanks, in a, mate. In a chipmunk way, in a chipmunk way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what sort of things have you been up to, sir? Uh, well, we're getting ready for uh, the London School of Theology Songwriting Intensive cool. with Geraldine Latty. Uh, we are starting. Um, in a couple of weeks, in fact, when this comes out, it'll still be enough time if you want to book in. So we do Friday and uh, Saturday in November and then another Friday, Saturday in February. Um, and it's super fun. Jerry and I have taught this course loads of times now and um, it's open to anyone. So you can come in and be part of it if you want to, yeah, do a songwriting intensive with us. Amazing. Um, we, we should say that as well as being excellent podcast hosts, there are these opportunities to study with us in various places so you can study with sam in a more formal university like setting and you can study with me in a more formal university like setting except with me you will have to do a three-year songwriting degree at nexus ica so i throw that in sam's sounds a little bit more achievable well yeah i mean yeah you can do the degree lst or you can just do this intensive which is it's it's a good way of like it's a good accessible way of just going and getting that that input but listen i think sam there should be a worship songwriting masters that is a, Hello. a standalone course and Let's do it. um yeah i i just think come on come on we there should be one and um so people contact all your local universities and demand one and, and tell them who should teach it um <laughs> i think that'd be really good rachel wilhelm what else have you been doing you've been after money uh, yeah, we've been doing a crowdfunding campaign, which uh, I think we'll have about one more day when this comes out. But um, we're basically doing a Easter season uh, resource for next year. Timo and I have been writing loads of songs for it. Excited cool. about that. Uh, making videos. And, and it's, it's with this idea that actually Easter tends to go by in a day. You sort of do the resurrection. You know, you do a whole load of stuff on Lent. You just spend a whole week on Holy Week. 
And then often Easter it just becomes like the end of that and then you get on with something else. Whereas kind of traditionally there's this whole season of Eastertide and I just feel like there's so much, like the resurrection is really supposed to be every Sunday. Mm. You know, that's why we worship on a Sunday. So yeah, so we're, we're kind of going deep into that and yeah, trying to raise a little bit of cash to make that happen. That's really good. You, you give so much stuff away for free, um, which I think is a, um, a wonderfully amazing thing. And I use your stuff for free. So I think it makes absolute sense, this model. I'm a big fan of crowdfunding, supporting, and then making stuff available. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, we, we just looked at our stats for the last week and saw that we'd had 807 free resources downloaded in Gosh. a week. And yeah. you go, wow, that is a lot. And, I, and I'm, I'm thrilled that people who can't afford to to do it or you know you look at the 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 google map thing as well and see where they're from and they're from some really far-flung countries yeah um but some people probably can afford to pay so that's yeah that's a positive thing nice one Um, how about you well i'm getting ready for the doxicology tour which i think is just about holding together so when this comes out we will be about to perform our first night in chester but it's not too late to get your tickets at chester isleworth muswell hill coventry sheffield salford Preston, York, Berwick-upon-Tweed, Glasgow. Nice. So we'd love to see you. If you, uh, New York, Paris, the world. Yeah, that's that's coming next year, I think. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really exciting. It's going to be super fun um, in, in all kinds of ways. I think people are still, you know, the demographic you can rely on to come to church events is also the demographic that maybe is staying home a bit more at the moment. <laughs> So it's a little bit, um, we're, I, we're probably not going to be overwhelmed, but I think we are going to have, <laughs> I think we are going to have a wonderful time. Um, and it is like a treat for me just to play with a bunch of really good musicians. I, I love it when so they've all got the songs and they've been looking at them and so on. And we will rock up on the first day. We've got a day set aside to rehearse. And I know the first time we play the first song, I will think, Oh man, this sounds good because <laughs> they're all so good. Oh, oh, that's cool. So it's going to be really nice. Um, awesome. uh, well, oh, the Slack! I just got a message. The Slack uh, forum for the second one is full, um, and we like to not delete stuff for mm. everyone, which is partly why we try and limit how many songs you can put on there and just not have loads of um, uh, and stuff. Uh, so that you can come back and you can access all the things that you've been working on. So we are going to move forums or fora for um, November, which is coming up. So keep an eye out there. I will have to set that up really quickly, hopefully just on my way to a gig or something. Um, <laughs> and there'll be a new forum, which is cool. And then finally, Sam, we didn't talk about my rant last time. My rant about, I just want to know what you, so my rant was about, People who only put one or two lines of a song up on the screen. Oh, and yeah. I'd forgotten about that. I that finally, was amazing. I just finally flipped, and I <laughs> <laughs> I only ranted in the Facebook group. I, I don't. I'm not the kind of person who can do. You know, you kind of read those ten tweet long threads of stuff. And yeah. Like, um, I'd probably get interviewed everywhere if I did it, but I just yeah. I, we don't I love, to talk about it. Uh, well, I loved it, Joel. And I, I think, you know, it, it often with these things, it comes down to, uh, well, there's lots of there's lots of things on there, but I, I was completely with you. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you got that off your chest. I just, can I just say one thing? Just my one, my biggest bee in my bonnet is when people say, oh, yeah, we don't like to put up too many lines of text because it's distracting. 
Distracting from what? What is what? What is it distracting from? What? I mean, it's either distracting from singing the song, so that you're telling me the words of the song are distracting you from the song, or it's distracting you from God. In which case, stop singing it. It's not helping you if it's distracting you from God. That's it. Right. Okay. As you were, everybody. No, it didn't go red. That's quite good. <laughs> well, mate, don't even get me started on punctuation. Oh. Wow, what another amazing month. Actually, let's save that stuff for Andy because he's going to say it. Um, but there was an interesting thing came up. I it, I was interested to see that for some people this really didn't... Which may or may mm. not be an expression. American listeners don't start <laughs> using it. <laughs> um, I think I made it up. Uh, and so, uh, Ian... Thank you. Ian Edgerton, um was was upfront about that and I thought really helpfully um, taking some of that stuff out on the Facebook group so that people could um, chat about it. I wondered what, what you thought, Sam, um, in general. So, so it, I think this is to paraphrase Ian, um, perhaps unfairly, um, but the sort of basically the Psalms are old, old language, old imagery. We need to be using new relevant contemporary stuff. Um, and therefore, the kind of well, it's in the Bible. We should sing it. Didn't really, didn't really do it. Um, and then a bunch of different opinions coming along. Yeah, it was quite noticeable the range of opinions because some people seem to be saying, "Well, I try and write this kind of stuff with you know, lamenty, angry, injust, you know, against injustice stuff, and I'm not allowed to sing it in church, or it only works when I sing it down the pub." Yeah. And then other people saying, "Well, I don't think we should be." leading this stuff in church anyway because you know surely we should just be coming into god's presence and therefore is isn't this just a um and i suppose part of that is just to do with what you think gathered worship is supposed to be about i liked uh eric graff's uh comment when he said we might think that if we don't use this song on a regular basis then it shouldn't be in the rotation as congregational or maybe we've limited some songs from being used because we've assumed that certain songs won't stand the test of time and become a classic. Perhaps becoming a classic shouldn't be our goal when writing selecting songs. Maybe we'll just sing a song once or twice and that would be okay because we're singing something that God cares about. These fringe songs, after all, are not our most frequented songs. So I actually don't see a huge problem, even with the top 25 not having mentions of some of the harder psalms because the top 25 is based on the frequency of use. The songs we use as a congregation should regularly be praise songs. However, if we never sing songs about justice, wrath, the poor lament and so on, then we have a big problem. I think that's that's a really good point in saying like, these might not be our regular thing, but actually we somewhere we ought to get some of these themes in and that might take the leader setting them up a bit more carefully it might mean it's not the song we sing every Sunday, but it's the song we use it for a particular time, and that seems to be a good, a good argument. Yeah, I, I from the outset actually, when Michael Rhodes put his thing up, I, I felt like there was a, I sort of, I, I basically agreed with his conclusions, but I thought in the, um, in the methodology, you have to treat the top twenty-five of CCLI for what it is, which is a list of the, the, the songs with the widest cross-church appeal that are sung most often. Yeah. And so they're bound to be quite generic and mm. um, cheerful, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. almost, but because of that. Um, the thing I found was that I, um, 
I, I try to treat it as saying, okay, well, this is the psalm you've got and you are going to sing it. So how are you going to shape it in a way that is going to make sense when you sing it together as a, a congregation? So for me, that was just divide it into three parts, do some layers of stuff so that you, you kind of say, okay, we've got room for these words. But what I'm not telling you is everyone has to sing this and mean every word yeah. in the same way. And, um, and I felt like across the people joining it, some people really went for that and I really mm. grappled with some stuff they wouldn't normally sing. Other people, yeah, less so, went for something that felt more normal, more natural to them. I love it about this challenge that it, it does challenge us and it doesn't just challenge us as songwriters sometimes, but it challenges us as worship planners and mm. um, worship leaders to say, you know, to think about what is my context there for? What, if I can't sing this in my context, either I shouldn't sing this or my context needs to change. And you, it's mm. just having an opportunity to grapple with those questions, I think, yeah. is well worth it. Hey, Andy Clark has appeared. Hello. It's so good to be here. Hey, guys. Hey, Sam. Hey, Joel. Hey, mate. Hey, we, we've just begun... Um, reflecting on the October challenge. We were doing it in quite a deep and meaningful way. Mm. Um, but you can bring some frivolity to the <laughs> proceedings, or you, or you can weigh in. What, what did you think? What was your what was your sense of the overall and also approaching it yourself? <clears throat> well, I don't know. From, from picking things up on the Facebook group and general chats on Slack, it seemed that some folks were really struggling to kind of grasp the, the trickier side of these of these psalms. You might have already, I've already talked about this, but... um. Yeah, so that was an interesting one. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I ended up going for something relatively safe with my psalm, 111, you know, nice and kind of praisey, praisey type of theme. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was okay. I mean, I always prefer these challenges where I don't have to think too much about the lyrics, and it's more <laughs> about putting music on. So I loved it last month, and this month was kind of similar. Like, okay, great. So the psalm is there, so I can start from this. So I, I thought that I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah. I think it's probably also worth saying that these are supposed to be challenges. Mm. Yeah. And we've had a few recently where people have gone, well, I don't really like this month. I think I'm going to play my <laughs> Joker. And I kind of go, that's fine. I mean, and I honestly, I struggled with this challenge. It took me a while to to get something that I was vaguely happy with. And it's perhaps not a song that I would use every week. But I think see these as songwriting challenges rather than now we're giving you the best idea and this is going to produce the best song you've ever written that you're going to sing every month. You know, yeah. these are challenges. And so sometimes we might give parameters that make you go, oh, this is difficult and difficult is good. You know, if you go to the gym and you only lift the weights that are super easy, you're never going to grow your muscles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, what do, you know, I know a lot about growing muscles, obviously. <laughs> we're, we're quite a buff trio, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> hey, I've just got the stats in. Oh, I'm nice. literally live. Just got the stats in from the amazing, incredible David Brackenbury, gosh. who has um, cannot resist get diving deep into the stats. No, good. So this is from um, 8 a.m. this morning, which is a few days before the end of the month. But um, so David tells me songs have come in from 70 different psalms. Whoa, pretty good. So that's nearly half, but not quite with something like 98 submissions in total. Um, 53 psalms, just one song. Um, nine psalms have two songs from them. Six psalms have three songs from them. Any guesses? Oh, hang on. Then one psalm has four songs from it, and one psalm has five songs from it. Any guesses what the most popular two psalms were? 23. No. It's been done. 23. I think people avoided it. I don't yeah. think anyone's done 23, oh, have they? Overdone. <laughs> 
Townsend just, you know, nailed it. Ta- yeah. Townend. 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 Yeah. Townend. <laughs> yeah. Townsend. He's forgotten, isn't he? He's old he news. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, they were some 13 and some 27. Oh, nice. It's definitely telling as you look through that um, a lot of people started at the beginning and just kept going until they found one they liked. So the early <laughs> psalms are quite heavily covered. And clearly some people started at the end of the book and worked backwards because the end ones are quite heavily covered. And it's fairly <laughs> sporadic in the middle. Yeah. Um, David has also done an analysis of the five books of psalms, really getting into the Hebrew format of things. Wow. Um, <clears throat> tells us that book one, we covered 63%. Book two, we covered 45%. Book three and four covered 24% of both of those. And book five, we covered 50%. So that either means mm. that three and four... I mean, I think books three and four, that you, once you start getting into some of those really sort of long, unwieldy ones, where it's quite hard to find the heart of the psalm, isn't it, sometimes? Yep. Mm. The shorter ones are a little bit easy. And then, just to complete the stats... <laughs> this, this is a ridiculous stat. I mean, not, the longest gap between two psalms written was... <laughs> Was between Psalm 100 and Psalm 108. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the amazing. longest run of flicking through going, well, this is rubbish. Yeah. And then um, the longest run of consecutive Psalms is 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Wow. So there you go. Um, so thank you, David. That's Without you, how would we know how we were doing in life? <laughs> we should get David, we should have a, a regular feature. Dave has to do some stats on something. Each David month. Statenbury. Oh my goodness, that is good. That is good, yeah. Sam. Um, so it's interesting on the book. Let's on the, jump on the book on the, oh, yeah. the third and fourth books. Generally, yeah. album three and four are the trickiest ones for bands, aren't they? So, <laughs> I'm thinking, I think, you know, "Be Here Now" was a bit of a drop for Oasis, and you know those kind of kind of things. <laughs> anyway, so, I'm not. Well, I'm comparing Noel Gallagher to King David, but. Andy, hello. Tell us what's been going on this month amongst the Twelve Song Challenge. Well, there's been there's been a whole raft of top quality psalmic um, songs. I've got it. I've picked out I think four or five here that are really good and definitely worth a worth a few Great. a few moments of your time on the podcast. First one has got to go to Rebecca B's. Psalm twenty seven. One of the five who've done Psalm twenty seven. Is that five? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think this one actually goes down as one of the catchiest twelve song challenges songs ever, which I know is a that's a big it's a big statement, but I'm going in. You there. mean apart from mine and Sam's each month, don't you? Well, yeah, we, we never yeah. we never get to hear them on the podcast. You no, say that's so. true. Actually. We ban. <laughs> we ban. <them. laughs> yeah. So what Rebecca said is that. Um, she says, I wanted an earworm that my kids couldn't get away from, and therefore scripture that they'd remember for years to come. And oh my goodness, has she has she done that this is um really really satisfying rhythms actually in this song really satisfying to sing an interesting melody over um over a quite simple chord structure but there's something so just um grabbing about it you just kind of want to you just want to you just want to sing it do you have a listen let's have a listen right now I shall seek that I would dwell in the house of 
Oh yeah. So good. So good. It's pretty good. I better stop that. <laughs> oh man. Yep. Yeah. So catchy. So catchy. I mean, dear podcast listeners, you can't see the fact that Joel, Sam and I were both playing air drums, guitar and all kinds yeah. <laughs> over the top <laughs> of that got... as we were listening to it. It is that good. Oh, great job, great Rebecca. Job, Rebecca. Really like that. So a slightly different feel for the second one. I really want to draw attention to Katie Borden, um, mm -hmm. who's done this super chilled song based on Psalm 131. And, you know, sometimes with songs, they're... The I mean, if someone says to me, oh, this song's a bit of a grower, it usually means I don't like it. This <laughs> this song, <laughs> it grabbed me by the second chord. There's just something so special about it. There's um, It's kind of one of those that's in three three parts, three sections, and Katie's done these beautiful piano parts that provide the foundation for these three just gorgeous melodies just soar over the top of. And Katie's voice is so good too. It, it just creates this mesmerizing kind of, lullaby that just draws you in i just really got the sense of of god's peace just properly just flowing from this i, I genuinely think this song is really special my heart is not lifted up My eyes are not raised too high All the things too great and wonderful for me I surrender them all to you
Yes, brilliant. Wow, that's just moving, isn't it? Just gorgeous. Medicine for the ears. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Good job, Katie. Um, Great. I was gonna. I was gonna mention that there are there are so many songs this month that have got these different parts that layer over the top mm. each other. Um, obviously, we've just listened to one. There's another one coming up that I'm going to mention. Joel, yours does that as well. That, I don't know what it is. What is it about the Psalms that kind of brings that out? Is it? I don't know if it's like. Um, I don't know. Are we longing to I sing think, together again in different bits? Yeah, I think it's because they don't obey the natural rules of. They're not written in verses and choruses. They're not yeah. written in contemporary pop or hymn form. That's true. Actually. And so they are just sort of, there are different sections and you look at them and, and there's something about Hebrew poetry, isn't it? That Hebrew po- poetry is stacked rather than necessarily um, consecutive. There's mm-hmm. a sense of, I say this, I say that, I say that. And the idea is they stack on top of each other to create one meaning. Um, and I found certainly looking through the, the Psalms that it's not like one bit is obviously a chorus and one bit is obviously a verse. You want to kind of give them all equal priority and one way of, doing that is to divide it up but also actually dividing the psalm up does is a really good exercise in understanding the psalm because like okay how am i going to divide this how am i mm-hmm. going to find different thoughts in it um i think it's a yeah i think it's a really special thing and it if we did it more maybe it would unlock psalm singing in congregations mm. um and give us access to them especially some of these more difficult psalms that we just currently don't know how to sing it's kind of the modern version of chanting Okay. Yeah. Where ch- yeah. chanting gave them that, you know, a similar idea, but we're doing it with the same chord progression rather than the same melody. No, that's good. I mean, I grew up singing songs in church where you'd have you'd have those ones where you'd have like the men singing one bit and the women, women singing another bit. And but then yeah, that's all. That's that doesn't always work. Depends who's in the room. Depends if anyone can be bothered. I mean, we've we did the week C. <laughs> there is hope. So yeah. um, in church through the week, and actually we just said to folks, just choose which bit you feel fits in your range the best, and People seem to enjoy that. Cool. I mean, I had my headphones. I had my in-ear monitors in, so they looked happy. So I'm yeah. not sure if I can <laughs> No idea what they were saying. No. Okay, hit us with another Here's one. Here's another one. I'm going to hit you with Mark Willoughby. Sorry, Mark, for hitting everybody with that. Psalm 138. So Mark's got this one, which has got this instantly singable melody. It kind of feels familiar, but he's he's very individual as well. I think Mark has a habit of doing that, actually. You hear this new song by Mark, you think, oh, I know how this goes. And you're already one or two lines in. You know, whilst remaining original, it's important to say that, but allows his personality (laughs) to to shine through. And a lot of the phrases in this song, I think, they just make you feel kind of warm and friendly. (laughs) I don't know, there's just something, there's just something always about Mark's post because he is a warm and friendly guy. And Mark I, is a very warm friendly guy. And I get guy, that yeah. from his songs. So, yeah. great job, Mark. I mean, sorry, this is another side, but for me, this is such a big argument for not just singing songs by the, the Hit Factory machines, yeah. but singing songs from your community or songs from people you know. They, I find them so much more meaningful and rich when I sing songs from people I know. Um, I do love some of the big songs too, but it's a it's a totally different thing, isn't it? Yep, mm. agreed. Time one three eight.
There was a little bit of discussion, wasn't there, about the... Oh, oh, oh I can't sing. I've lost my voice. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, whether that, it was substantial enough. Um, should it be woe? Should it have some words on there? Um, yeah, you, you are, so... Yeah, interesting. And I, I, I tend to think with that sort of thing... Um, I mean, I really like the woe, 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 and I'd be really happy singing it. But I'd also have a go at finding some words, because mm-hmm. it might turn mm-hmm. out they're really good as well. Um, yeah. What I wouldn't do is say, oh, no, keep the woes. Don't touch it. You know, try. It's fine to try something else, even if it turns out it doesn't work. Yeah. Come on, let's have some more. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. This is great. It's good. So I want to draw attention to a song by Stacey Regan. Regan? Regan? Oh, no. I was doing so well with names. You were. I know. So- has she written a, has she written a, a little um, <clears throat> limerick to help you remember? If she has, I've not Regan. seen it. Must it? Yeah, Regan. We're going to go with that. Yeah. Forgive us. Will do. <clears throat> so anyway, Stacey's done Psalm 94, um, and it's called, rather wonderfully, Arise, Avenging God. Yes. So, I mean, as, as we I briefly touched on earlier, there's been quite a lot of discussion on the Facebook group about whether people have really tackled Psalms about justice yeah. or the trickier Psalms this month. Well, Stacey has. And well done, Stacey. <laughs> this is a song that does not pull punches or avoid mm-hmm. the tricky bits. Um, chorus is, Arise, avenging God, O righteous judge and mighty king. Arise and hear our cry, O God, revenge our suffering. Don't sing about mm. that. 
as often as perhaps we might. Nice. Um, but what I think is great about this is it's got this quirky kind of folk feel, which gives like this char- quite rather charming juxtaposition between the lyrics and the music. But I actually don't think it's a clash. It makes me think of how, you know, hundreds and, well, thousands of years ago, people would tell stories through song and that would be how, you know, this, um, people would learn about their history. So I've got this, I've got this image of like a bunch of Israelites sat around a campfire singing this on a, uh, not a lute. What would they have used? Not a, <laughs> that have sung. That, um, what are those ones that have praise him on the ten string lyre, psalter? Yeah. Yeah. No, the psalter is the psaltery. There was yeah. there a psaltery they used to sing about praising him on at one point. I don't know. No. Um, so, but I just I can imagine people sit, literally from thousands of years ago singing this, telling the stories of this god who they want to avenge the people who've been um, persecuting mm. them I think it's brilliant Arise avenging God O righteous judge and mighty king Arise and hear our cry O God revenge our suffering Arise avenging God O righteous judge and mighty king, arise and hear our cry. O God, revenge our suffering. O Lord, how long shall all the ungodly gloat in their terrible triumph? O Lord, how long shall all evildoers revel in prideful defiance? They pummel your people, trouble your children, murder the widow, butcher the orphan, slaying the stranger and innocent, saying you won't even notice it. Arise, avenging God, O righteous judge and mighty king, arise and hear our cry. Oh God, revenge our suffering. O Lord, who made our sight and our hearing, shall you not see us and hear us? O Lord, who taught and nurtured the nations, shall not your discipline cheer us? You know our vain thinking, need for your teaching, need for your patience. This time of weeping, you won't forsake your inheritance. All those who follow your righteousness Arise, avenging God O righteous judge and mighty king Arise and hear our cry O God, revenge our suffering The Lord our God wrought our rescue And he is our rock and our refuge the malice of the wicked he will employ. Indeed, he will utterly destroy them. Arise, avenging God, O righteous judge. Yeah. Wow, that pulls no punctures. No. Been smacked around yeah. the face with a psalm. Well, let, yes. let's just for a moment here. I think this could be helpful. Uh, like seriously. How would you use that if you were going to use it in church? What would you do? How would, where would you go with it? Sam, any thoughts? <clears throat> well, it does strike me that phrase, 
um, God, you know, comforts the afflicted and um, afflicts the comfortable. And I feel like a lot of the time we're the comfortable in church, aren't we? Mm. And so if you were to set that up talking about people who are suffering, who are genuine, you know, people who are, are, are downtrodden, people who are ignored, um, I feel like you could potentially sing this song out of that mm. sort of reminder that actually there are some people and you know you read some of the songs because some of the songs are much more positive aren't they much more kind of almost naive oh if you're good then mm. the lord will always protect you and kind of go well okay if that's true god you know you, you you sort of have to have the slightly more angry psalms to balance off the more naive psalms because otherwise you would just go through going well you yeah. know it's not true <laughs> yeah. you know so you the kind of reminding god of who he is and calling out to him to do what he said he will do is is part of that i don't know if that's a yeah. good answer i think yeah. that's helpful i sort of think of it like take take the tune away for a minute and imagine you're just you get to this time and say let's read this out together and i think if you said that people wouldn't go oh hang on a minute i don't mean it this isn't right <laughs> i don't we would just think we're reading some scripture just to get it in our voices and I think I would treat it a little bit like that. And I might say, yeah, the, the, exactly. Not all songs have, not all songs in church have to be heartfelt expressions of our inner thoughts to God. That's one of the things to use songs for in church. Mm. But another one is to say, exactly. I love the way that Andy described it, actually. Just imagine you are sitting around the campfire and you are, singing the story and but you sing it in the present in the first person um as if you're in the story and you don't try and interpret it you just say let's just dwell in this for a minute and then have a bit of time you know think about it respond to it maybe you talk about it so it's it's a really mm. good a way of engaging with scripture mm. but just mm. break down the narrow structure mm. that says your songs have to be sung from this place in this direction towards that yeah let songs do more for us as a church. Mm. I think that's what I want to say. Wow. And maybe sometimes the visual of, okay, the, the worship band has got on the stage and the screen has come on, puts people in a particular mindset. So yeah. maybe like you say, if it, if it even was like, well, let's all gather around this acoustic guitar in the middle of the church. Suddenly you've changed the context. Yeah. You haven't done that good, yeah. thing of people's brains going, okay, so now I'm giving my inner soul to God. It's like, oh, we're doing something different now. Yeah. Got one more? I've got one more. Let's do one more, no more. Come on then. So one this no is... This is by Hannah Hodges. We're going to say that every time now, you know. That, yeah. One more, no more. One more, no more. Yeah. Usually, usually, usually said when you go to the pub, but we're going to use it now for songs. Are you saying, where do you... Oh, it's yeah. It's it's little neat. My nieces that say that. One more, no more. <laughs> so oh. the wonderful alliterative Hannah Hodges has written a song from Psalm sixty-one. And this is another one that is just so catchy. I mean, Hannah, I'm pretty sure she wrote this on the retreat that we went on at the start of this month in um, uh, yeah. October. And I was singing it for days afterwards. It's just, it just really, it's really hooky. It's a really singable melody over some satisfying, quite simple, but satisfying chords. And it goes to the B minor at the end of lines two and four, which is the minor fifth, if we're in E minor. So it's slight kind of slightly unusual but not too crazy um and there's there's one of those um as i talked about earlier kind of kendrick-esque men women split in the chorus mm -hmm. which works well and gives it a, a vintage quality not like vintage. not like old but vintage like a good yeah. whiskey 
Um, and also in the thre- in the thread, Rebecca's it's amazing. Rebecca taught it to her music class, and there's this mm, recording of them so of cool. all these young children singing the parts over the top of each other. It's just it's absolutely brilliant. Should we let's well, let's have a bit of both? Oh, I nice. think we should. Let's hear Hannah's version, and I've got Rebecca's. Fantastic. We'll have a little snatch of that. Great. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my plea. Lead me to the rock. In my hour of need, oh, to dwell within your house forever. When it switched to the school children singing it, is this amazing? Am I, uh, is it going to sound condescending? It just sounded really good. It wasn't like it suddenly <laughs> changed gear or turned into a school version. It was just uh, the same song. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And they were belting it out. I love the way it sat in the kids' voices. Mm. I will dwell with it. It's quite kind of got a bite to it, which is really nice. Love it. Terrific work, everyone. Uh, another incredible month. I'm a, I'm a little bit overwhelmed by not only the number of songs, but the number of really good songs mm-hmm. that are, are coming out of the 12 Song Challenge this year. Um, I really hope people are, are, A, singing them in their own churches, but also, you know, listen out for ones like, like, like Rebecca's done there, song by somebody else, and find mm-hmm. a context to use it in and have a go. Get the, yeah. 
get the stuff from them. Somebody asked this month actually whether there's a place, um, a, a sort of a library of of finished songs and tracks and charts and stuff. We're working on that, is what I will say, because I think that's quite important now that that we we come up with a way of hanging on to some of this stuff so that you can. Um, I'm not sure whether it would be an external facing thing because uh, you sort of need to curate that kind of thing. But internally, because we know each other and we know the stuff and we just want to go and find that song, mm. I think we'll find a way of doing it in the next couple of months. So uh, keep an eye on this space. Watch it. Listen to this space. One more, no more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we nearly forgot. Yeah, here we go. Ready? That is the treat for the ears, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Ken Spence, you are this month's Star of the Month. Star, 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 star of the month. Sorry, it was a bit... <laughs> That's a bit trigger happy with that one. Uh, no, Ken Spence spared. No. Oh gosh. Great. Tell us why quickly. Because Ken Spence, there is no. I can't see any song that Ken Spence has not had his constructive eyes, ears, and hands over as he was kind of. I mean, you know, writing on a keyboard. Um, yeah. Just he's just so encouraging and just everywhere. That's how you get to yeah. be star of the month. That is it. That's how you play the game and you get the jingle <laughs> devoted to you. Well done, Ken. And Andy, thanks ever so much for your input. What a, what a fun review it has been. I've loved it. Thank you, guys. Good to see you all. The challenge for November is December songs. Yes, you heard it right. The challenge for November is December songs. <laughs> what do I mean by December songs, you ask, Sam? Songs by the band The Decemberists. Yeah, I really like the Decemberists, actually. Good, yeah. they, there's a really good song exploder with them, which mm. I would recommend you have a listen to. Um, but no, um, basically songs for you to sing in your church during December. There, there's a bit of a, um, shall we say, uh, argument, tension between... Controversy. Controversy. with is it in? Should you do all Advent right up to Christmas Day? Or should you do a bit of Advent and then a bit of Christmas? And then how do you do it? And some people get really quite, you know, some people are really mean to their congregations. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it out loud. The people who say, I refuse to sing any Christmas songs in church until Christmas Day. I'm doing Advent all the way. Meanwhile, the rest of the culture around them is full of Christmas, fun, happy. And then, no, I am doing Advent misery right up till Christmas Day, and they are going to appreciate it whether they like it or not. And December the 30th, we're singing Christmas songs. I know, when everyone else has moved on. Okay, Joel, you've kind of of showed your hand here. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, (laughs) However, I I, I have come to appreciate Advent very much in recent years, and so I'm a big advocate of that as well. But what I'm trying to say is, um, despite me showing my hand um, and that uh, I would move Advent a bit earlier. Um, let's, whatever you do, if you're super Advent, you know, I bless you. Um, and if you're super <laughs> Christmas, bless you too. So do whatever you sing in December in your church. But Are your Christmas decorations up already in your house? No. No, I definitely want to do a good chunk of Advent, but I also think there's a point where you've got to go, come on, stop come being on. miserable. Everyone else is having a nice time. Um but I, 
What I want to say is we, we're going to have a clip in a minute from an interview, which would will give us a fresh angle on Advent and Christmas, which I think could be quite helpful. The challenge this month is not to necessarily follow that particular angle, but it's an encouragement to say, try and find a fresh angle. So you're not just writing the same Christmas or Advent song that you've always written, but also... I sort of want to be a bit generous to you. Write something that's going to be useful in your church. So if you've got a particular service coming up, a particular demographic, you just really love singing about tinsel, whatever it is, actually make it useful for your church. So there's a kind of the challenge is try and find a fresh angle, but actually let that be trumped by make it useful for December this year. So Mm. you might want to get on it really quickly in November so that you're, you're ready for it. Um, and maybe not you're saying in your church but i'm thinking like some people you know we've recently been asked if we'll go and do some carols in a pub lots of people will go to old people's homes lots of people will do things in schools so you know some of the conversations we have around oh will this get sung in my church meaning on a sunday morning um actually you've maybe you've got a context where you know you're getting to choose songs or you know that you know a particular thing you know could work so you know right right for that context yeah, December is weird, isn't it? In that it's the one month of the year, certainly in my experience, where you can take church songs and sing them anywhere. Yeah. Um, and you get invited even. To, yeah. <laughs> people even pay you money sometimes <laughs> to go and sing church That's songs to me. anywhere. Um, so, yeah, what well, brilliant. Use those opportunities right for those situations. Um, my one my one bee in my bonnet, since I'm having a bit of a bee in a bonnet little phase aren't I maybe it's a midlife crisis or something um is um my encouragement would be get your facts straight there's a whole load of sort of assumed facts about the Christmas story most of which we know aren't really probably correct um see if you can get out of those see if you can get Mm. into the the what details there are reported what cultural knowledge we might have when you're singing this story um so I think particularly about the the Christmas story but equally when it comes to Advent we start talking about the Lord's return and so on again there's a bunch of um, assumptions and so you, you get your head around it a bit. Think about, you know, what does your church teach about it or what, where, where do you where do you stand on various stuff? And if anyone can r- rhyme millennial with something, then you get an extra point this this month. So let's have a listen to my interview with Margot Hodson, which is going to come out as a subsequent um, podcast as well for the full interview. But this is some stuff that's really relevant to this month's challenge. Yeah, well, obviously the 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 green themes of anger they're they're huge. I mean, it's it's the, the second coming and the the coming of the messianic age when heaven and earth are going to be renewed. The the word in um in Revelation is is kainos, which means a kind of renewal of creation. It doesn't mean a kind of brand new one that's but because uh, we're made new as well. We're made we've made kainos, and so that theme of the second coming of the world restored, um of of everything coming into harmony, of wolves lying with lambs, all of that wonderful stuff that you see. But also a theme of Advent is being held to account. Um, and perhaps the last few decades in Christian faith, we've not been very good about the theme of judgment. I think we've we've shied away from it, but there is a need to be held to account. And I think perhaps that can be put in a fresh way um, and in a way that fits 2021 perhaps um, more easily than, than we, we would have felt with some of the messages of, of judgment that we, we, we struggled with in the past. But mm. we, that, that accountability, I think, is, is one. And then the question of how do we live now in the light of that world to come? How do we live now in expectation 
um, of Jesus coming, um, of him coming, returning to his world to renew it, to, to hold us to account and to bring things into harmony. So I think that is, is something that um, we, we can do. And as, as I said before, quite there's a strand in Christianity that is, is very um, much sort of almost like airlifting us off this planet. You know, how can we get to this higher realm of spiritual um, enlightenment? Whereas actually Advent can re-earth our faith into the creation that he has made and is renewing. And in doing that, we then discover Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and, um, and that theme, I think, you know, resonates strongly through it. Um, and, uh, and I think even that Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you could, you could almost rework that um, mm. for an Advent, uh, an, an, a green Advent um, uh, song, I think, very, very, very effectively. Are there any particular places in the Bible you might go to look for that those kinds of things? You know, sort of pick up those. In terms yeah, of I mean, I think scriptures. I think you could do a really good song based on the second part of Romans eight. I don't know if you've looked at that. Um, Eighteen onwards, creation groaning, waiting for the glory to be revealed. Um, I think there could be a really good song in that in that passage, um, waiting for the sons of God, sons and daughters of God, to be revealed. I think you could look at Revelation, you could look at 21 and 22, that wonderful passage of the river of life and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. There would be mm. rich themes there for the music. Um, and, uh, and there's some passages in Isaiah you could look at. Um, Isaiah is full of nature. It's got about 150 species of 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 animals just in them you know Isaiah oh, really? and his followers were nature lovers lovers very definitely and they knew they understood a lot about nature so you find a lot yeah. in there if you look which is a very much a an advent book of course so um those yeah. would be places you could you could look for these themes and then um Christmas um this thing incarnation first coming um, what can we think about there? Yeah, well, I think you've got to write a song on John One. That was that was the passage I was talking about, wasn't it? And and you've just mm. got to write a song on John One because it's 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 so. Uh, I mean, it's such a wonderful passage, and there's so much in there. I think really, when you look at Christmas, you understand that the Christian faith is is such an earthy faith, um, and this is such an earthy festival that Jesus, the one through whom all things came into being, became flesh, became part of this material world. Um, and if you like, the word flesh sucks. You could call that biomass, if you like. You know, Jesus became yeah. biomass. <laughs> Jesus became physical. It's, a, it's quite a, it's more of our affinity with animals, that word, than of our, our, of becoming human. You know, it is becoming, he became physical he became part of this world he became um a, a creature and that is an incredible thing it affirms the goodness of this world if this world was totally evil um he couldn't have done that it's because it's created by god it's loved by him he said it was good even if it's marked by sin and he came to affirm the goodness of this world to affirm that he is creator and he loves this world so much that he came. Um, and so, and he came to save 
it. He came to renew it. He came to save us. And he came to reconcile it. The, um, in another passage would be the one in um, Colossians 1, where, where Christ reconciles um, the whole creation and holds it together. He came for that. Um, and then you've got the earthiness of um, Christmas being shown by Mary giving birth in a stable. Um, and by that very physical act of giving birth, by shepherds coming to visit, and by angels coming to earth to praise its creator. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, shouting out that God loves this earth when you, when you look at all of that. That's great, Joel. And I guess that's one angle on this whole thing, isn't it? But we're not limiting it to that kind of eco stuff. If that sure. inspires you, great, go for it. If there's other things for December, equally go for those. Absolutely. Well, that's all we've got time for this month. So all that remains is to introduce our featured song. And we're going to delve into the Resound Worship Archives and uh, feature, which we've never done before, it turns out, um, one of our classics, a Resound classic, What Kind of Throne? So uh, a little bit of a... A little bit of a Christmas number for you to get you feeling festive. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye.
humblest of kings and I'll bring 